Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. You wouldn't go into a football game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate's no different. We'll give you all the good information that will help you make a well-prepared game plan so you'll be a winner in the real estate market. And to help me with that today, we have um, Natalie Leon of Modern Brokers. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Thank you for coming out here. And a little bit about Natalie. You've been, uh, she's been a realtor since 2005, which that'll be interesting because that was maybe the top of the boom market. I also call it the steroid market being we're on ESPN. Everybody knows what that means if you're listening to ESPN. Uh, the steroid era in baseball where uh, home runs were going out of the park left and right. You yeah. couldn't explain why. Well, homes in 2005 were selling left and right, and we couldn't explain why until we found out. Right. The hard way. Um, but you are also... Um, the let's see the regional director of business development for modern brokers here in Fresno County that's correct all right so uh, what do you do as a regional director of business development well I'm helping run our Fresno County division so um, we have two offices in Fresno and we are uh, recruiting we are training um, so we just need someone on with boots on the ground here in the Fresno County area and you have a new office too, right? We just renovated Clovis's first gas station in Old Town Clovis. That was a gas station? It was a gas station. We have a photo up on the, the wall. It's pretty cute from the 20s where you can see the gas pump that was out in the flower bed over by the, the street. So pretty cute. Does it show the price of gasoline at that time? Thank goodness, no. It, it would <sighs> cause heart failure for most people. Yeah, it'd probably be like 12 cents a gallon. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are also an elected official here as far as with the Women's Council of Realtors. Um, you are the 2020 president-elect. That's correct. Which means you'll be president in 2021. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to that. Now, a lot of our listeners heard last week from Steph Stoltenberg, who is going to be the 2020 president, yes. what the Women's Council of Realtors do. So I'm going to ask you, but you got to keep it short for <laughs> okay. all those that, that heard it last week, too. You, you bet. So I, I'm going to be background support for staff and making sure that things go well and that we have events that people really want to know about and help support the members and the other board members that we have to, to get things rolling for our, our community. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's kind of interesting. You are a wave maker for CAR's Woman Up. What is a wave maker? That's a great question. So that's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, CAR is California Association of Realtors, and they've created an initiative. And uh, what this is is that we know that there are a lot of women that are in the real estate industry. However, many of the leaders, the brokers, the managers are male. So we're trying to to give the opportunity to women in the industry to be able to reach for leadership opportunities through mentorship, through training. There's a one-time-a-year uh, one event, but it's gone national this year, and this is the third year um, going strong. It's, it, mm -hmm. There's a Facebook page if you'd like to connect to that and find more uh, information. It's it's pretty amazing to be able to be vulnerable in our industry and talk to people that can help you grow in your profession. Then one more thing on your resume, and it's got to be the hardest, 
hardest job you have. I see you're the mother of a 26-year-old daughter. Oh, good golly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not hard, though, right? Not with her? She's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. But yeah, there's hard days. Of course, there's hard days. (laughs) I thought that, you know, once you got past the terrible twos, that things would be better. And then we went through teenage years, and boys came along. And then she went off to college, and now she's back home finishing out college. And it's just always something being a parent, isn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I always say, every year that they grow up from the time they're born, they get better and better. You know, two years old was neat but four years old is even better and six years old even better but then they get to 15 (laughs) (laughs) and and the trend stops yes you're right (laughs) all right Uh, away from parenting and into real estate um normally i bring stats here and you know we dissect them and, and try to find out what do those numbers mean all right. Um, but today I asked you to bring stats yes, so that we get a fresh, different approach because there's all kinds of stats. I mean, there's there's uh, average sales price, median sales price, there's median price per square foot. There, In dissecting all that and trying to find out what they all mean can be very debatable. You're, you're right, and very challenging for most people uh, when they're looking at stats because they know if you put in one different number, it kind of changes the, the readings and, and the results. So what I tried to do, based off of your request, is try to focus this from a consumer's perspective. So the stats that we're going to look at, um, we're in November right now, but the stats we're looking at are actually for October. So in December, we'll be looking at November stats. Um, but I want to start, uh, what, I'm, what I looked at was uh, the city of Fresno and the city of Clovis. I ran uh, stats for single-family residence homes uh, with no other specific criteria, like... I didn't put a price range in. I didn't put the size of the home so that we can get a really broad picture. And then I'm going to tell you some other stats that I brought as well. Um, So in October of 2018, which is last year, we had for sale 1,439 single-family residence homes. In 2019, October, we had 1,184. That's quite a significant difference there in in a year. The the homes that were pending in 2018 were 595 and in 2019 650. The ones that sold in 2018 was 563 and in 2019 581. So rather interesting that in 2018 there were a whole lot more homes available but more went pending and more went sold in 2019. Okay, that is really interesting. And so we hear on the news, the national news, Mm -hmm. that housing has slowed down. But you have more pendings, more going into escrow. So that doesn't sound like a slowdown. What it looks like to us is that last year there were more sellers that were trying to sell their home. And this year there's more buyers out there purchasing. So more homes are going pending and more are going sold than we had available last year. Okay. So you just made me think of this. So I, in other words, I haven't thought it through, Okay, but a theory behind this, because last year there were more for sales and fewer pendings Mm -hmm. this year, fewer for sales, more pendings. Yeah. Could it be that it's the contingency buyer? 
the sellers, uh, I'll call it the move move over market or the move up market. Um, so somebody needs to sell a home so they can buy another one. Um, very possibly, the, uh, and, and less construction, new construction too. Right. So that's might be why they're getting their homes into escrow, and therefore, um, there's more pendings. Very well could be. We are seeing that there's many more contingent offers that we see come through our office than we had in the past. Um, so it, it seems to be one of those things that we need to be, you know, getting accustomed to is is seeing that there's more sellers that are needing to um, sell the property before they can move on. And the same thing with buyers. They need to sell a property before they can move on. So that begs for the question, to what is your opinion? Because a lot of people ask this. Is this a buyer's market or a seller's market? Or an even market? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. If we look at stats, let's say over a 10-year period, even a five-year period, historically, it's it's kind of done, you know, very similar movements. But at this time last year, um, it had slowed down a little bit for, for our market. And we see that sometimes in the holiday season, sometimes the the shift has happened. And right now, uh, it's it's not happening as dramatically as we kind of expected. So buyers are still out there buying. So if sellers are looking to sell, do it. Get it on the market. Let's, mm -hmm. let's get it in front of people. I will say I know a big difference between this time last year and this time this year. Yeah. And that is interest rates. Yeah. Remember, interest rates were going up and fairly fast uh, or fast for what we're used to the last 10 years. Um, so I think that might have scared a few buyers away. It Or into transactions. So I personally purchased a home, closed escrow in December of last year in Clovis. And I was very concerned about the interest rate and what that was going to do. And if it was going to keep running up the, the ladder... I was probably going to be priced out of the home that I really wanted to purchase. So I felt the urgency that I needed to hurry up and move forward. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, in the here's a point to remember. In a buyer's or seller's market, nobody rings the bell at the top of the market. So you got in in 2005 into real estate. Yes. And that was, the looking back, we could tell it was the top of the market. Right. Um, during it, I'm thinking we're going to keep on keeping on yeah but all of a sudden it stopped so really the, what's the best is it best to buy in a seller's market buyer's market the best time to buy like you just did mm -hmm. you were moving to fresno uh, the fresno right. county from right. tulare county mm -hmm. best time to buy is when you yourself are ready. That's the best answer, right? And I get asked this a lot to look into the crystal ball that doesn't exist of when is the best time to buy. And it's really based on your personal situation. Mm -hmm. And if you're selling and buying, it almost doesn't matter. It kind of washes. Yeah, yeah, yeah because you're going to sell high and buy high. Right. Um, okay, property tax-wise, somebody could debate me on that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that that time it's better to buy, sell and buy low but um, there you go. With that, though, it is time for our first commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about contingencies and how all that plays into this type of market. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, 
Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're here in the studio where our guest is rocking out to this earth, wind, and fire music of September. May probably because it's like September out there right now. It, uh, and it's a good thing it's radio. You can't see me biting my lip. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you wanted to sing? No. Oh, oh good, good. All right, Natalie Leon of Modern Brokers is here with us, and you know, I, I t- said before the break that we we're going to go into contingencies, and we are, but you have a few more stats, and um, I, let, let's finish up on that because you have some good ones there, some yeah. different ones than I normally give. Yeah, there there was something that I found really interesting that I thought was share-worthy for sure, um, and, and what I found was I, I ran some stats for all single-family residence homes under $500,000 in Fresno and Clovis. I also ran it above $500,000 in Fresno and Clovis. And the stat that I found most interesting is that for the days on market, do you know what the days on market is? The days well, on market. Tell make us, me, Don. Make me look smart and just tell me. <laughs> Okay. So so the days on market, how long how long was this home on the market? Pretty simple. In 2018 for the under 500,000, the days on market average was 33 days on the market. In 2019, and this is Fresno, it was 31. So fairly similar, not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. In Clovis, the days on the market in 2018 was 31. In 2019, 43. Interesting. That is interesting. That's interesting. But here's where it gets good. So if you go above 500,000 for the single family residences in 2018 in Clovis, it was 63 days. Remember, these are over $500,000 homes. In 2019, 92 days in October. So October 2018, 63, October 2019, 92. So that means that the homes that are priced higher are sitting on the market a third of the time longer. So, and here's what I love about statistics, because you you can say, oh my gosh, it went from 63 to 92 days. Oh my gosh, you know, they're sitting forever. Keep in mind that's still below normal. So it's like dropping your speed uh, on the highway from 80 miles an hour down to 55 just because there's the cruiser behind you. Still a great time. And the other things to take into consideration is that how do you adjust that? How do you change that? Well, maybe people did upgrades in the home. Maybe they included some incentives. Maybe they reduced the price. Maybe it took them longer to reduce the price. So there's a lot of factors that we don't see individually on, on each of these that can affect the days on market as well. Here's another one for you too. And that is just as I said in the previous segment that interest rates were different last year at this time than, than now. They were higher. When you pick the number of 500000 or over, financing once again plays a role in that because you're conforming Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac maximum um, loan limit is four hundred and eighty-four thousand, right, right at that five hundred thousand right. mark. So financing gets a little trickier, not trickier, a little more uh, precise yeah. as you get higher up there, beyond the four hundred eighty-four thousand. Right. So maybe 
need more money down, maybe need a higher credit score. So, and those are called jumbo loans um, or mini jumbos I've heard too. Um, so th- that could be a reason for it also. It definitely could. Yeah. There, there's a lot of factors at play. The best thing to do if you want to know is get a hold of your realtor and ask them to run some numbers for you with the specific questions you have. And let's not forget, you're not buying a statistic, you're buying a home. Correct. So if you find the home you like, and it's been on the market 600 days, um, then it's it's your home. That's exactly what happened to me. I was mentioning in the last segment that I purchased a home last year in Clovis. Same thing happened. It had been on the market for a while, and it kind of made me think, like other consumers, why is it on the market so long? What's going on? And I wanted to dig for more information. But in in reality, I didn't care how long it was on the market. That home suited my family's needs, and I was willing to wait if I needed to. It, It didn't matter the days on the market to me at that point when I found the home. Yeah, and I'm going to correct my statement a little bit. I said you're buying a home. I'm going to correct it to you're buying your home. Yeah. Yeah. So don't forget that. And, and, and this is the same advice we gave back in 2010 when mm-hmm. people said, oh, I owe 300000 on my home and it's only worth 200000 now. Mm-hmm. Hey, if it's your home, fight to keep it. Yes, agreed. Yeah. 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 All right. Any other cool stats there? Uh, well, I've I've got a ton of stats, but um, I think that for the most part, they're they're definitely something you might want to talk to your your realtor about. Okay, that's a good way to put it because it's not just the numbers; it's the story behind it too. Yes. Um, it, it, and here was a great stat a couple of years ago when intra, uh, days on market went from uh, in one segment of the market went from fourteen to twenty five days. It's like, oh my gosh, it's almost doubled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 25 days is still pretty darn fast. It's still great. To sell a quarter million dollar home. That's amazing, yes. Yeah. You're right. To yeah. find somebody that's able to afford a quarter million dollars and exchange it in, in return for a piece of real estate, that's fast. Yeah, the, the harder part is finding those people that can afford a quarter of a million dollar home that's willing to adopt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... That could be a contingency. So let's start talking about contingencies now. What is a contingency? And maybe different than a condition. Well, a contingency allows a buyer or a seller um, to cancel a purchase agreement based on uh, the happenings of of a certain event. Um, So there's several contingencies that are talked about throughout the residential purchase agreement. Um, Some of them are contingencies for inspections, the loan, the appraisal. Some of the contingencies are that a buyer needs to sell a property and some are that a seller needs to uh, sell their property too to be able to move forward. So there's, there's several different contingencies and different timelines that we're going to follow. I think one of the most important things when I'm speaking with my clients in looking at the residential purchase agreement is that I want to be... aware of those timelines. So if we have 17 days from the acceptance to do our inspections, we're not waiting till day 17 to start doing those inspections. So it's important to know that if you have inspections that need to get done, 
let, let's say that it is an inspection contingency and you want to have uh, a home inspector come out and do the, the general home inspection, if he finds something on his report that says, gosh, you know, this kind of raises a, a flag for me and I think that you should hire a licensed professional that specializes in this area, you need to allow time for that other person to get out and to be able to do their report as well and then get that information back to you and the buyer and then over to the seller side if you're going to be asking for them to repair anything. I like what you say about don't wait till the the last day to do things because when you do that, you eliminate your options. And just like in a football offense, the option offense is a great one. I mean, but if that quarterback waits until he's getting annihilated at the very end and then decides, oh, I'm going to pitch it, and it's obviously too late to, to throw downfield, mm-hmm. all right, they've eliminated their options. Same thing here. What if the home inspector, who's like a general doctor, uh, says, hmm, you know, by going through this physical, I think you better get a go see a heart specialist. Well, you waited too long. You can't do it now. So maybe, maybe you – he said you really need to get a pool specialist mm-hmm. to look at this or a heating and cooling guy. Too late. So don't wait. Uh, agreed. And and people aren't just waiting in the wings for you to call them. Uh, so if you called a pool guy, it might be five, seven days before he can even come out and take a look. Maybe. It might even be longer. There's roofers that sometimes are two weeks out. Well, if you have 17 days to do an inspection and they're going to take 14 days, you might want to start calling other other folks. <laughs> And you might want to pay attention to the calendar, too. So this is what I did yesterday. <laughs> I called my termite company, and, you know, they're usually three, can get somebody out in three or four days. They said, wow, we don't have anything available till December. And I go, why? Well, next week is Thanksgiving, Don. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Forgot about that. You're right. The holidays play into effect, the, the weekends. So when we talk about days on the market – on the residential purchase agreement, this is a good thing to note too, is that when we're looking at calendar days, if it's gonna fall on a weekend, we might need to recalculate. If it's gonna fall on a holiday, we need to be aware of this because that can affect um, our timelines. Mm-hmm. Now we were talking contingency, so and we're right now we're talking about a physical contingency. Mm-hmm. What about a contingency for um, appraisals? How does that work? Well, uh, appraisal contingencies are, um, boy, it makes my heart flutter when we talk about appraisal contingencies because sometimes it Yours doesn't... flutters, mine burns. I get heartburn <laughs> over this issue. <laughs> well, sometimes they don't always go like you expect, but an appraisal contingency is saying that when uh, a buyer writes the offer, that they're expecting that the home is going to appraise for what the offer was written for. Now, if it doesn't, then we need to figure out what we're going to do. There's, there's a few different things that we can look at. Um, one is you might ask the seller, would they be willing to reduce? And a lot of times the seller says, are you crazy? And, and that Sold doesn't always Sold it too happen. cheap in the first place. <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking? I have all these memories in this house. It's worth more. So it, it becomes a little bit of a, a back and forth debate. Um, I recently had a transaction that... I had priced the home according to the market. There were other floor plans in this amazing neighborhood that were the same floor plan, but a whole lot less upgrades, a whole lot less amenities. The The home site, the lot, was a lot bigger, and it was in a cul-de-sac area. It, it just 
head and shoulders above the rest of the neighborhood, even though it was the same builder and the same layout floor plan. This one had upgraded flooring, it had upgraded countertops, they had a big fire pit in the back, just beautiful, lots of concrete work. And uh, the appraiser came out and um, valued it a whole lot less than what we were expecting. So it, it put a kink in our works that we needed to figure out how we were going to manage that. And so we went back into negotiations. I had one one time where an appraisal came in really low and the buyer knew that area really well because they'd been targeting that one for over a year. So they knew this was a good buy, yeah. but that appraiser didn't. Right. Didn't think it was such a good buy and came in low. And you know what the buyer's reaction was? That appraiser's wrong. Oh. We're going to buy this. And they they went and they um, cashed in some of their uh, retirement mm. for the extra down payment, and they paid cash for the difference. Yeah, something simpler, similar happened happened with this this transaction. But we we ended up uh, sending a dispute over to the appraisal company, saying that let me let me show you where we got the numbers to try and see if they were going to be able to re-look at the, the home and, and reevaluate it. But we, we're at the appraiser's mercy a lot of times, and, and they did not want to change. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go to our next commercial break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the big com- contingency, and that is the sale of a home. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Natalie Leon of Modern Brokers is here with us today. And we're going to be talking about the big contingency sale now. Um, So you get a call from somebody that says, put me in, coach. We're ready to sell our home and buy a new one. What do you do from there as their realtor? Well, one of the questions that that we would start out with, especially thinking it might be contingent is asking, do you need to sell this property to be able to move on to the next one? So that's that's a, a big question because not all sellers for the next property are interested in considering a contingency. They, they might uh, want something that's able to move forward without the risk of thinking, well, if their property falls out of escrow, then it makes my property fall out of escrow. So there's some conversation that needs to happen. And, and also to ask them, if that was a deal breaker, could you still move forward with this property? I love what you just said. The key word there is that there ha- has to be conversation. Yeah, that there's not one size fits all in this thing. Mm-hmm. And this is where you really need a realtor to, to see, do you buy first, then sell? Do you buy and sell simultaneously? Or do you sell first and buy, buy second? Because there's pros and cons to both. Um, so, yeah. You're right. And having that professional in your corner to, to sit down and look at what's going to work best for your family, it doesn't always work the same way for every family. So we need to look at your individual situation and determine, will this work for you? And is this going to be favorable for someone who might be looking at your property? Yeah. And, and if you're going to be doing two transactions, a sell and a buy, buy and a sell, pretty, especially in a simultaneous one, or we call them concurrent, I think it's kind of important to have the same realtor on both of them. Uh, 
you know, I, I've had this before where it's, wow, we can't decide which realtor to use. We have my cousin, second grade teacher's best friend's <laughs> sister, who is a real, just got a realtor's license. So we'll let her look for a house for us and we'll have you sell it, sell this one. That's difficult because that, uh, it can be done. It can be done. It has been done, but it sure is a lot more complicated when there's two different uh, realtor parties involved. Um, so they need to be on the same page and communicating heavily that what's going on and, and where the steps are and, and where they're at with the process. Same thing with escrow. Sometimes if you have a different escrow that's managing the sell side, but on the buying side, it's a different escrow company and you're trying to do it concurrently, oh boy, you know that's, that's some more... Uh, confusion that you're throwing into the work. So having the same realtor help you with both transactions would eliminate a whole lot of frustration. You know, you come up with a lot of really good words, and I'm writing these down. <laughs> the conversation was one of them. You've got to have that conversation. You just had another one, process. So maybe the way to look at it is when you're selling and buying or buying and selling, you're doing a process, one process. You need one one uh, player, one coach in there. Um Whereas it's not a buy and a sell. It's not two different transactions. It's one process. Yes, absolutely. So. You know, if we're looking at, let's say, cooking a, a dish, right, and, and we have a chef in the kitchen, this recipe of real estate can get messy. It can get complicated, and there's a lot of steps to it. If you throw someone new into the mix that takes over part of the recipe, your cookies might be flat. Another good one, a recipe. You know, you should be in radio because you have all these really good sound bites. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, and I see you here on the ticker that the um, the, the uh, ratings are going, they're skyrocketing right now. Is that because we're talking about food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, being, and it could be your family's tuning in right now. So... Uh, you told me you have a 26-year-old daughter. Do you think she's I listening? Do. She is listening. It, it was kind of a big deal last night when we were talking about it because her boyfriend is is a regular listener to ESPN 940 AM and made it very clear that, oh, I know that that station. This is exciting. I'm going to be listening. So for Elizabeth Iaquinto and her boyfriend, Trent Hunt, and my husband, Nate Leone, Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, of course, your husband's listening. You're making him do that, right? He better be listening. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, every once in a while, you see in an MLS listing that there's a contingency upon the seller finding a replacement property. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what do you do there? Um, well, <laughs> again, the, the conversation with your buyer that you want to let them know ahead of time. So if I'm looking in the MLS and my buyer may not see all the notes that all of us realtors can see in the MLS, which is why it's so important to use a realtor, that there are pieces of information that they aren't privy to if they're using some of the more public sites or apps or programs to try and find other homes to look at. So what I would tell them is that I see in the MLS that the seller is going to need to sell this home before they uh, or purchase a home before they move forward. And then I need to get their buy in. Are you willing to take the the risk of, of waiting? Do you love this home enough that you want to wait and see how this is going to play out? And then you know what's going to happen? That seller is probably going to ask us to put some more skin in the game because they don't want it to fall out. 
Yeah, that I have to admit that's a tough one to work, it, and it can be worked. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, just like a home with a bad roof. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can still buy that. You can still work through it. It's just another issue to work through. But in this case, how how does a buyer know how picky that seller is? So if it's contingent on the mm-hmm. seller finding a new one, I mean, maybe they've got it narrowed down to a, you know, they got to wait for a home to come up in a two-block area within walking distance to this elementary school in a certain <laughs> price range. Well, that, that could be a while. We see this happen. You're right. So we have a, a form uh, that that will dis- that the seller will disclose that here's here's what we're going to do and how long it should take us and how long we would expect you to wait for us to go through this process. So it's super important because in these forms, if you if you haven't seen a real estate transaction lately, there's a lot of itty bitty little check boxes and lots of little blank spaces for these little numbers to pop in and it it can be missed very easily. And by missing one of those check boxes or your agent or you not reading your your transaction, your contract, you might be agreeing to let them keep looking through the whole life of the the time period. So if you are, are saying, I want a 45-day escrow, and that box is checked at the bottom of this contingency form, you just told them that they've got 45 days to find their house, and maybe that's not what you intended. Mm-hmm. And of course, as the seller is out there looking for something very, very, very specific, The buyer is spending money on a home inspection and appraisal. They're probably going to be into it $1,000 more um, in hard costs, upfront costs. And they're at the mercy of the seller to to do that. Absolutely. So so in my opinion, and then I'll get yours. I should get yours first. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let's hear it. (laughs) All right. In my opinion, as a seller... You're devaluing your home a little bit by by saying these are the tough conditions that you can buy my home under. Um, not every buyer is going to do that. You're so I, I think it costs the seller a little bit of money. I I think that it makes it more challenging to have your home appear to be desirable. So you're limiting your audience. You're you're going to reduce the amount of people that might potentially be interested in your home sometimes based on the specific criteria that, that you're um, putting in front of people showing how challenging it's going to be to work with you. If it's already hard right now and they haven't even gotten into an accepted contract, imagine the rest of the way through this 30, 45-day escrow. I love what you just said, how hard it is to work with you already. So... Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was showing homes, and this one seller, uh, I'm I'm bringing the buyers through there, uh-huh. and this one seller, when I told him we would be there between 11 and 11:30, he said it has to be 11. <laughs> I said, okay, I, I'll try to make it as close to that as possible. No, if you're not going to be here at 11, don't show up. All right, he's not very. I mean, there's no welcome mat here. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then he said, how many people are coming through and what kind of jobs do they have? Oh. Yeah. And uh, basically, mm. and he said, don't make sure everybody stays together. I don't want people to scatter looking at my home. So you're dealing with a very controlling person. Mm-hmm. Is that how you want to go into the escrow? 
Yeah. Def- definitely not the first foot that you want to put forward. That that's that's for sure. And you know, some people have gone through some challenges with real estate. Maybe they had someone come through their home that created a bad taste in their mouth. It, it, who knows? But understanding that seller and talking to their agent might help maybe reduce some of that friction up front as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a seller, once again, you're devaluing your home a little bit if you make too many demands and you don't have the welcome mat out by the welcome mat that means that when the buyers come through that home they Mm -hmm. feel welcomed yeah if you haven't been through a new home community and seen how they greet you and they it's warm and they're asking questions they're asking if you'd like a cup of water if they if you as a seller haven't gone through that experience maybe go experience that to see what they're doing to make buyers feel welcome and see how they decluttered the house too, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. With that, we're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your Bulldog fan host along with Natalie Leone of Modern Brokers, your Bulldog fan and guest. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, yes. So, two words. Go dogs. Yay, yeah. tonight's going to be a good game. I know we're going to win. I'll be there. Me too. Good. And it's just, uh, sometimes you just know. I don't know why, but I just know. We're going to (laughs) win. Good, good. Faith. Yeah. Um, All right. We were talking about what the future realtor will look like in a few years. Mm-hmm. We didn't say how many years. We didn't. Or months or weeks. Good. Things are changing fast, so it could be weeks. But Natalie, tell us, what's the future realtor gonna look like? You know, it's uh, there is a lot of technology nowadays. There's a lot of tools out there. So for um, my my vision of the the future realtor is that um, the realtor needs to be savvy. They need to know about the tools and tech. They need to know about the uh, artificial intelligence, the AI that that's available as well. But you know, with all the tools and the tech technology and and the different people that are are speaking to the realtors about what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing and how to do things differently it really still comes down to some of the basic things like relationship and communication and the personal touches. There's just certain things that technology can't do. Um, We need to be able to have the relationships with people. So my daughter, uh, who's 26 years old, is not afraid to look online to, to see what is out there. But when it comes down to it, when someone's ready to purchase a home, no matter what their age, they still want to turn to their trusted source, which is the realtor. So I'm still seeing that um, there's a lot of value, a ton of value in the the people that that we're working with. Um, You know, you had mentioned to me a a situation where uh, you were holding a baby the other night, and I just thought that was exactly what what we're talking about here, that the, the human element 
is still a, a very strong desire with people, and I, I think that it's coming back as a, a necessary um, a necessary tool. You oh, wanna, yeah. You want to tell us about your, your story? Okay. Yeah, that, that was a good one, and there were several parts of the human element involved here. Um, we, we received an offer on the property, and knew, I knew it was a good one, and I was pretty sure the seller would say, heck yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, let's, let's sign it. I could have done it with technology and the tools that we have and sent it, just called, used the telephone, said, hey, here's what the offer is, yeah. sent it to her electronically. And I knew that would probably be easiest for her because she has a two-week-old baby. Oh. And, and um, But also I know that it's important as you enter into a 45-day escrow, it's important for all parties to understand what they're getting into so that they can survive the 45 days. Right. And that's where the human element comes in. So being able to talk and explain it and, and maybe see that puzzling look on their face when you've explained something. So without them asking, I can say, let me explain that in a different way because I want to make sure you get it. So I asked her if I could drive it over there and have her. She said, sure, come on out. Well, went through the whole thing. We, we had a conversation, like you said, mm -hmm. had that conversation about this offer. Uh, she said, okay, let's do it. Where do I sign? Uh, and she went to put her baby back in the bassinet. And I said, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, can I hold the baby while you're signing? She said, sure, you want to? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And then I teased her. I said, because this will be my client in 25 more years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she laughed, and she reminded me that she was a baby when her parents bought from me. Oh. Yeah. How cute is that? And what a great memory that it was passed on through the generations, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the human element is still really important and um she could tell that uh, that i cared yeah you, you you can't do that very well over the internet or through a digital signing app um, but you know one of the the things that you mentioned was that you were holding her baby and she was a baby when her her parents purchased a home and i think that with today's realtor uh, for the future, they need to really be considering the multi-generational approach. So we see some home builders that have added on a wing for the mother-in-law suite or for mm -hmm. the college student that's coming back in. And we are seeing families coming together and, and purchasing homes or selling homes together. But it's also important to know how each of those generations communicate. So for the, the modern day realtor, uh, they need to know that there's going to be people who say, do not do not send me something electronically to sign. I need to see your eyeballs when I'm signing this because I want to ask questions if they come up. I want to make sure I understand it. Where a new techie person, you know, a, a millennial might say, hey, I, just, I, I read it already when you sent it over. I'm cool. Just show me where, you know, I need to be signing. Um, but we need to know how to work with each of those generations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it surprises me that you get somebody who's in an older generation, um, even older than me, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they just want to do it through technology. Yeah. And then you get somebody, a millennial, who wants to, that face-to-face. -face. So mm. it, you, ha you still have to understand people. Right. 
yeah. and accommodate them. So we talked about conversations, right? One of the things you should be doing is asking them, how do you prefer to communicate? What works best for you? Your agent should be having these conversations with you as you're getting started to make sure that you don't miss a step and that you're communicating in the way that they need and that they want so that you have a smooth transaction. Mm -hmm. And it goes down to options is what you're saying. So you give them the option. Yeah. We can sign electronically or we can um, sign with, with a pen. Right. Not a pencil. No, no nor, pencils. Nor a crayon. No crayons. Got to be a pen. <laughs> That's true. We can't give them that. Too many options. Right, right. <laughs> but I think it's important that the realtor does understand the the techie tools that are out there, the apps that everybody is talking about. You want your realtor to know what it is that you see so that they can adjust to you and your needs and be able to respond. At one time, I thought about making a little video f just for fun. Some realtor sitting at home uh, on their iPad or no, on their iPhone huh. and, and doing an entire transaction and never putting shoes on, still being in their PJs and then wondering why did the deal cancel? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's because maybe because they never got, got up to go to the job. Yeah. You've got to show up in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 And kind of hard to show somebody you care when you, you know, you're still laying in bed on your iPhone typing up a contract. Yeah. I, I, we can do it technologically. You can. You can. But my strongest relationships are the ones where I am face-to-face -face with people at some point in the contract. Not every step, maybe, but in a lot of those, those steps in the process. So in your opinion, the realtor of the future, will they still be a real person speaking face-to-face -to, -face to their real client? Oh, absolutely. More so, there, there is the hunger for it, I see. So yes, absolutely. The, the people are the key element. The tools are a resource. They help, but the people are, are absolutely key to your successful transaction. You know, and here's a statistic going back to what we started the show with, but it's kind of interesting. With more technology, we, the realtors actually have a larger market share than they did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I heard a statistic, and I don't remember if it was 81 or 82%, but it was in the low 80s, of all transactions were done through a realtor and through the multiple listing service. Today, that number is 91%. Oh, wow. So it's actually gone up, even though there's more technology. But I think realtors have to learn how to adapt to more information that the uh, the client has. Yeah, you, you, you've got to know that. I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. I remember showing up and, and, um, and said, oh, yeah, I think this is what your home is worth and here's why. And they said, well, the one next door sold for this. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, I didn't pull that one up. Well, it turns out it was nine months earlier. So I didn't go that far back because an appraiser is not going to count that one. Right. Um, but it still would have been because they have the technology, they don't know all the rules. They don't know that the appraiser has to go only go back three months and can go six if they justify it, but they can't go nine uh, unless it's an extremely rare situation. Well, so, and some of this technology is not, not accurate. It's not up to date. So we definitely want to have the realtor involved to be able to help you with those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I have one last question for you, if you could give it to me in 30 seconds or less before the show's over. Give us your best real estate advice. Never guess on anything. I would say find a mentor, find someone that's going to support you as, as a realtor so that you're always able to learn and grow in your business and be better for your clients. All right. Thank you, Natalie Leon of Modern Brokers for coming in today. It's a very enjoyable show. And I hope our listeners enjoyed it too and learned something from it so we can all make better real estate decisions. And my best advice for tonight is go dogs. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Tune in next Saturday to Welcome Home Radio.